I'm back, motherfuckers. Welcome to episode seven of the Pro Painted Podcast. My name's Ian Gilmore, and I'm your host, or co-host this evening, along with Matthew Lyons. Hello. Hi, guys. And Rob Ellis. Evening, all. Yeah. So, yeah. Ian, in the house, taking the lead. Yes, I'm back. For my short hiatus away. No, it's good to do so sabbatical. Like a... sabbatical. It does, a little bit of a hiatus, but um, it's all good. The juices are now flowing again. <laughs> and, um... <laughs> what kind of juices? <laughs> <laughs> the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> but we were, we actually, on that note, we had a we had a conversation the other day about talking about a, a Nurgle army. And um, doing all the discharge, and obviously because you get a lot of people using like the technical paints, a lot of yellows, uh, a lot of greens, and I was saying, oh, you could do a Nurgle army with a white discharge. It's like that. You, <laughs> you Way to kick the episode off, guys. Ian, discharge Gilmore. <laughs> discharge this. Um, so yeah, it's the unholy triumvirate. We're back. Um, we are. Ian seems to be making an awful lot of scratching noises, or he's got a microphone. Have you got your headphone up your nose? Possibly. Yeah, it's horrible. It's like you've literally got clan rats in the background. Like <laughs> It's like Steve Foote's fucking underminer. Is, <laughs> if anyone's seen that on Twitter, it's awesome. Um, Steve Foote's underminer is just scrabbling behind you. Is that better? That's much better. There we go. See what see what we do, Good. listeners. We, has, we hassle our co-hosts until they sound. Three episodes off, and he's forgotten how to fucking podcast. Shocker. Shocker. Yeah. So um yeah. So um obviously um all three of us back which is great i want to start with a bit of news first um i think it's always a good way of starting things so the pro painted podcast uh rankings uh pro patent rankings is a thing um i'm happy to announce that i'm currently testing a spreadsheet for entering the results which has kindly been put together by uh matt arnold or arnie uh, as we know him and fuck me that guy works magic on spreadsheets i i think it would have he taken... helped me out as well for stuff for work so thanks matt yeah i mean all credit to him i think it probably would have been a couple of months worth of work to do what he's done um uh, of you just punching the screen of your laptop oh, for, if you, for a week. <laughs> if you see what, see, what I knocked out in like an afternoon and compare it to what he's managed to knock out in a couple of afternoons. It's just, it's like night and day. So um, we know the scoring works. Uh, we're getting the results together. I'm inputting things at the moment and saving it. The next step of this journey is going to be hosting this information online. Um, I may initially kind of put the results almost like a screen grab um of who's who who's who's leading the the, the rankings at the moment um <clears throat> on uh, like a blog post um but i'm quite keen to kind of get a website going and it's all cool and it all works and you can submit results and stuff so i i've got um i've got someone helping helping me with that um i'll announce um who it is when they uh, <laughs> when we kind of have a a significant uh, journey on that and you know kind of we can make some good progress but it's all in the works to so get excited about the rankings so it's going to be awesome um and i've also had confirmation that we're going to be hosting it um alongside uh patrick o'sullivan's new event in january next year which will be it's penciled in for the same weekend as the gaming masters um this will be at firestorm games in cardiff which i think I mean, really, if I'm honest, I think that venue kind of suits the painting mentality more than uh, than kind of a journey 
uh, a journey up north what do you guys think yeah i think so yeah it's well it's it's a, just a nice relaxed um location like in the center of the city um the social scene's always good in cardiff um there's quite a lot of hobby on display you're just around the shop as well so it's, yeah it's all good yeah i think it takes for me it takes all the boxes you know, it's a great venue. Uh, you know, they do food well, perfect location. So that'll be awesome. And it's going to be a bit silly. It's going to be a bit tongue in cheek. You know, I'm, I've I've joked already that I may well give bonus tournament points out for for drinking in metros. Um, which, if you've not been there before, um, you need to go in Cardiff. Uh, it's an experience. <laughs> so it certainly is. Next, as the next couple of months, that'll kind of get firmed up and we'll get a bit more formal. <laughs> Um, and what I also wanted to say is um, something I only really thought about um, since doing and entering the data onto the spreadsheet, and that's that you get because of because of the way the painters are obviously at actual events, regardless of the size, you don't really get many awards. So I was inputting the data, and it's all broken down. You get a certain amount of points if you get first, you get a certain percentage if you get second, and then third. But, of course, a lot of the time, that's just not the case. You don't get a first, second, and third. Um, so, obviously, you get points for a nomination, um, and you get points for a win, and just a choice. Obviously, you only get one score from the event, regardless of how many you win. So, you don't get, like, a nomination and a, and a first place. But it's interesting kind of working on the figures and trying to rank it. You end up with a lot of similar results, um, particularly as, you know, and it's not necessarily the case that a lot of the painters will go, they're not as... Um, you know, they don't go to, generally speaking, don't hit many events to say the top 16 in the the, the gaming masters would, you know, the, the, possibly not that prevalent at events. Um, I mean, obviously I go to a lot, but that doesn't mean I'm, I'm nominated for, you know, every event I go to. So what I wanted to say is if you are running an event in the future, um, two things to this. First off, do nominations. Um, regardless of how big the field is, I know if you've got like 20 odd players, it's quite tempting just to say to everybody, you know, put your armies up and just vote for the one you like. But there's an element of, you know, it is a really cool accolade. It's very heartwarming that, you know, you've, you've been chosen as a nominated um, to be in the running for the painting. So I think that's always a positive thing to, to, to reinforce. And I'd also say if you're running an event and you're doing first, second and third, do first, second, and third painting, um, and then do judge's choice, or do first and second and judge's choice. Um, just reward because it, it, it weirdly, like the way I remember, in eighth we had an awful lot more of that, and AOS seems to be much more of a hobby focused um, game, really. I mean, if I think of the armies now compared to what we saw a lot of, a lot of an eighth, and the, and the speed that people churn out these different armies. Um, because of the freedom that you're given now is crazy and we don't overly reward it as much as we used to i mean if you're doing this fantastic um can i can i mention something on that as well yeah of course someone who's like completely sort of not competitive really as far as the gaming side of it um you know listening to sort of the history of podcasts this um that i have done and listening to you know the majority of podcasts you know very accomplished tournament gamers and whenever they're going through their battle reports, always sort of talking, not usually talking about coming first, they're usually talking about a podium. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's very clear that 
you know that sort of top three podium slot means a lot to to competitive gamers as it should because it's you know very competitive and you know is an achievement. Um, I think the same should sort of kudos and sort of target as it were that people can set themselves for doing hobby or just mean that people will push themselves that little bit more um you know if they think that okay well i might not get first but i'd like to get on the podium you know and you know if if they you've got the you know we spoke about it in earlier episodes about me sort of eyeing up the field when i've gone to events and thinking oh well you know you know i'm very very lucky to come second at, at blackout last year and you know, didn't you know, sort of that and face him where I knew they were going to be very competitive from a, a best army point of view and you know, it'd be nice it's nice to you know, to think, well okay, well I might not come first but, you know, I, I might get nominated and I you know, I might get a third place, I might get a second place, you know. Um that's not to say certain people are, are locks for events. I mean there are there are a couple out there. Um but you know, it's 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 nice to sort of you know it's not all or nothing. Do you know what I mean? You're going to come away with something, you know? Yeah, I think that's very true, actually. Um, it's like the, the to further the game in analogy. It's like if you're aiming for a top 10, that yeah. is essentially mm. aiming for the nomination, yeah. Yeah. where it's unlikely you're going to be at the top of the heap to finish. But it's the level to aim for, and it's yeah. like the stepping stone to the to actually winning. Yeah, you've got to be... And it, yeah. it, it can be, as you say, it can be that process. You, you as an event organizer, by rewarding, you know, we'll generally term it the hobby side of, you know, this game that we play. If you're rewarding this, then naturally what's going to happen is people are going to develop. People get better uh, at gaming. And, you know, you're going to just give people that extra little bit of encouragement to just go that little bit further or not sit down <clears throat> for an afternoon and you know do nothing and watch tv but maybe they will sit there and put a bit of free hand on a banner and I, and I think this is something really good to kind of nurture and kind of grow within the scene um and in addition to that um if you're listening to the podcast you may well be aware that i i have my own laser engraver uh, it's nothing special it's it's a, off ebay it's a, it's a chinese jobby uh, but we're quite used to it now and I've been popping out um, the odd trophies, uh, which started out as just a trophy I gave to people when I went to an event and I felt I liked their army the best. So it was one that I voted for and here went, here you go, here's a little trophy from me from the Pro Painter podcast, Favourite Army. That came that came across really well. People really liked that. Um, and what's that's led to is people have contacted me and asked me to do bespoke trophies. So, I mean, these are, you know, just three mil acrylic. That, you know, there's nothing fancy about them. Um, you know, I do the design, cut them out, stick them in a base, off you go. So I've had a couple of events use those trophies that, that I've designed. Obviously, they're low cost. So what I will say now is if you're running an event and you're concerned about rewarding the top three for painting um, is the cost, because that's an issue. You know, it co- trophies cost money when you're running events. I will provide first, second and third place trophies designed in my acrylic. It'll be a generic design, but we pro painted whatever first, second, third name of the event with our logo. I will supply those to you free of charge. So that's a genuine offer to, to tournament organizers out there. That's a resource you can use. If you're interested, just hit us up on Twitter, you know, send me an app send us a, a dm um you know we're on facebook and instagram and all the usual places do that so that's a, that's a, that's a that is an offer out there now on the scene contact me if you want to do first second and third place trophies free that's got to be a good thing right 
It does. Yeah, sounds it's an amazing offer, Matt. Very generous. Hopefully he's not going to get... Well, the thing is, though, at the end of the day, realistically, most events, you know, we'll probably want to see a, a, an event a month, you know, um, that, that may take me up on this. Might be more. Um, and something I will say about the, the rankings as well is that because of what we're doing, it doesn't matter, because it's painting, it doesn't matter if you're a one-day event. It doesn't matter. I just, I just, I just chipped in then for a bit, but then realised I was on mute. And I thought everyone was talking over me. We've already, but, um, we've already had an episode called "Mute Again," mate. <laughs> well, no, I think it's a great idea, and I think um, also what you spoke about, touched on in an earlier episode. I'd quite like to do like a, you know, Rob, you know, Rob's coolest conversion trophy, or yeah, you know, something, like, something along those lines. Like, like, I think that'd be know, quite a cool idea. I don't, I don't completely agree, and that's something we can most certainly do, um, and. It's it's a great idea. It is just about building this little, you know, kind of. It's cool to chat with your mates about the hobby and what you're producing and looking at all these armies and stuff. But giving people just a little bit of recognition at the, sometimes just makes such a huge difference. I know it has for me, and I know it has for other people. I know how much you know winning um, different trophies at different events for like coolest army or coolest theme and stuff has meant to people who don't consider themselves to be the best painters. And it isn't always about painting you know there's a lot of aspects to it and i think we should recover um but anyway i don't want to keep cracking on about um uh, the the pro painted rankings i mean there's there's a lot to come um like i said happy to um you know provide these trophies to people so do contact us um and if you've got any other ideas anything that you want to do any clarification on anything if you want to chat about how you want to reward stuff you know contact us um or you know ask a question we can cover it on the podcast as well so um, let's have a quick catch up with you rob then rob what have you been up to hobby wise um well just uh got to the point now where I think, you know, and thank you for everyone for the lovely comments and the likes over the last sort of 24 hours or so. We've got to the point where I'm pretty much finished uh, with Bellacor himself, um, not including the base. And when I say finished, I mean just built. Um, so he's pretty much ready to be primed. I just got to work on a few things on the base, just smooth out some of the green stuff and um, sort of work on the placement of the chaos star sort of optical illusion thing that i'm going to be doing on it um a couple of things i've sort of done on bellicor since um since we last recorded was i was sort of back and forth with different sort of ideas and designs for the crown um and sort of the different placements and all the rest of it and what looked good and i know that uh sort of you guys gave a bit of feedback on sort of one of the more subtler sort of ideas I had for it and I thought bollocks I'm going to go mm. going to go full full on and I think given the scale of the model and the sort of the aesthetic of it I think the uh, the sort of slightly more over the top kind of blades that I've used for his crown that's coming out of his skin kind of works I think it balances quite well it doesn't look you probably look a little bit out of place on a on a less ostentatious model say but I think it works well um I recomplete. I don't know if anyone else has noticed, but I completely redid the orb in yes. his hand as well. Yeah, um, so, out. yeah, originally it was done with parts of a spirit host kit, and it just didn't sort of just didn't work. I mean, I, I, it sort of looked okay to begin with, and it's quite a lot of green stuff work incorporating it into the orb to sort of make it look like it was flaming, and it just just the. Uh, the spirit host parts themselves don't really lend them to the, you know, they're, they're cool and everything, but as far as an actual sort of fiery orb, 
um, didn't really lend themselves to that. So I, I completely redid that uh, with the flames, mainly using the flames from the braziers from the Cow's War Shrine right. at the back. Um, so there's some more defined kind of flames and they're going to look better painted up, I think. Um, and that's a little bit sort of, I just think it ties the model in a little bit better. Um, I've done finished doing the the chains on the wings as well with the hooks and the and the uh, skulls, which will be kept separate until these are ready to every sort of sub assemblies because painting the wings with them sort of attached will be an absolute pain. Uh, so I'll, I'll I'll paint them. I've managed to actually sort of engineer them so that they'll just clip on and and then once they're glued in place, they uh, you'll be able to squeeze the sort of the top link on the chain together and you know they'll attach with sort of no or minimum might need a little, tiny little bit of liquid green stuff just to yeah. cover up the gap but I think that'll be fine you know it'll only be a little sort of highlight that I'll need to put on there to cover up whatever I need to join it so one thing yeah, just, um, to, just 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 to interrupt on. one thing I wanted to want to ask you was um you've been very good um uh, it's been very interesting following your progress um right. and obviously with the way you break down your miniatures as well how with your process how important do you find getting feedback on what you're doing what's your view on that um feedback i uh, just i think it, it's really important to me um I think having sort of just the, the positive criticism, you know, the positive, the positivity around it, that's kind of, you know, what fuels me, you know, obviously you can, you can get into, into lulls where, you know, you don't feel like doing it or, you know, you've got yeah. some yeah. sort of mundane part of the build to do, you know, you, you've done all the exciting bits, but you just need to sort of, sort of gap fill about 20 gaps on something, you know, it's just sort of the boring bits, but you're sort of knowing that you've got a miniature Monday or a work in progress Wednesday coming up, as it were. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, you sort of think, oh, you know, it'd be nice to sort of see, you know, all these comments and stuff. And, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's important. I don't necessarily, you know, I, I, I've had the odd thing where someone said, oh, I think it would look better with this or like that. And, you know, I do take those on board. I mean, I, I have quite a sort of strong vision at the beginning of something, the beginning of a project of what I've got and what, you know, what I'm going to use for that. But, you know, I certainly appreciate people's opinions and to take them on board. And it was one thing, you know, with the orb, I knew uh, sort of Ian mentioned that, you know, I, I sort of mocked up the second one before I sort of fully committed to it. And, he, you know, he said it quite looked a lot better. So I sort of press forward with that. And, you know, I think, you know, I, every time I look at the two now, I just can't, sort of think why you know why did I do you know the the, the original one looks so well the new one looks so much better than the original shall I say so mm, yeah. yeah it's um you know having that feedback is it is really important and you know it, it, I guess I don't know whether that says something about me or whatever but uh no, you know, just, think... just having people sort of big up your work is it's nice yeah no I agree I, I'm one of those as well I'm one of those people who seeks you know feedback and comments you know I don't yeah. just put stuff up for people to go. It's one of the reasons why, kind of on Twitter, that I'm not a big fan of this whole let's you know press a button and you like something. Um, yeah. You know, I almost preferred Twitter in a way when it was back in its old incarnation, where you know you, you you had to say something. You know, there was no option to kind of just go, oh, I like this, yeah, it's good that. You know, it just, I, you know, and it's great to be honest. It's great the likes you can count it. Go, oh yeah, look what these likes have got. It's cool. But, <laughs> 
just getting comments and you know things from people do make a big difference so you know I, I, i'm the same as you with that um yeah and um so that that's mostly bellacore but is there anything else uh, bellacore ish going on uh, well no nothing bellacore at all so um i obviously uh I think it was an episode before last that I decided on what I'm going to do for the Nurgle centerpiece. Um, yes. And I've kind of thought a little bit more about that. So um, when I had my little uh, weekend meet up with Ian a couple of, about a fortnight ago or so, um, he's, he's got like every single Warhammer fantasy army book that Games Workshop have ever brought out. But you had um, the original uh, Champions of Chaos army book from like second edition or something mm-hmm. um and it's got loads of the uh in fact it's got all four of the um the chaos champions that i'm reimagining in it so it's got uh t'challa uh uh Arbor, the undefeated egram van horseman it's got val near the reaper in it as well so yeah. i was actually reading through some of his um narrative text on there um and sort of describing him and what happened to him just to get an idea uh, more of an idea of what he'd actually look like um and there's a passage on there is saying he sort of he, he he came back to the chaos waste um and he sat on his throne his big sort of nurgly throne and um from there he sort of ascended to a slot like demonhood so he's got the kind of demon princey kind of size but he's got this throne so i thought okay well you know that can be the his sort of palaquin that he, he sat on the sort of the nurglings are pushing about um being towed by the two mulches and so yeah i'm gonna get the major throne kit is it the yeah. the scenery kit uh, as a basis of the actual throne and i'm gonna chop up a mortarian and <laughs> have him sat on the throne as you do, um, uh, do. yeah standard yeah, so I, I, I popped down to my local gw and uh, the guy down there um, Stuart, he, he kindly sort of um, de one of his um, Mortarians because unlike unlike Magnus, they come wrapped, which is a bit weird. Um, so I had a look at the almost eyeball the size of the figure, and the, the back of him is checking out Mortarian size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, and, look, um, look at the size of that. Ugh. Look at the size of that. <sighs> um, and sort of like just checking them all that in hand just to see sort of how. Uh, how easy or hard it's going to be to repose and convert and the back of the model uh, he hasn't actually got a back because it's all molded into the big cloak that he's got which will work because family's got a cloak as well so that's all cool and the back will be sort of sat on the throne anyway so mm-hmm. um that's kind of you know at least again I've, you know i've got a, sort of a basic vision of what it's going to look like it's just making the components work and you know, there's, there's going to, you know, it's going to be nice because the throne. I'll be able to put bits of the Nalmore on there and have you know, sort of branches coming out of it and a couple of bells hanging off and some nurglings here and there. And um, yeah, so uh, I've got the Paul Buckles uh, kindly held up, put a, a flail from the Duke Crown Clean One kit um, to one side for me, and uh, Valnir actually carries a big flail, so that'll be the top of his weapon as it were nice for some slight modifications yeah so yeah really looking forward to uh, cracking on with that but again that again that's you know sort of talking about what gets you through a project and we'll cover it with uh, some of the listener questions later but you know it, it's the excitement of the next project and you, know, you want to get you know i've, I've uh, sometimes been known in the past to ditch a, a, a thing halfway through and um yeah it's just having that sort of self-control to actually finish up a project and 
move on to the next. The last thing I will say is um, in the trying to do Arbol, uh, get some sort of ideas for Arbol, the Arbol conversion, we mentioned the morphine before. Yeah. Um, and I, I dug, I said, dug out one of my forge fiends. Um, I thought, well, you know, it might be big enough. It might be the right sort of size. Um, but the uh, the arms and legs needed pulling off. Um, pulled the arms and legs off, uh, thereby completely ruining the kit, and then found out that none of the bits were worth it. So I've actually wrecked two forge fiends um, <laughs> with nothing to show for it. Um, I should be able to put them back together and sort of green stuff the bits and bobs, but it's going to be an absolute ball ache. But yeah, so I'm, I'm determined to use some of those bits somewhere. <laughs> to, to justify the fact that I've torn the legs off of two forge things so yeah that's been my hobby Matt brilliant so uh, fucking up models uh, opening, opening stock in GW stores yeah, um, yeah so, do you know I am I've well, been Matarian while not being distracted um, from working on Bellicor yes sounds like distractions there Rob there, there, there was and, and uh, we'll go on to the Daughters of Cain <laughs> stuff as well because that's amazing yeah but, yeah um, uh, one thing I wanted to say, actually, uh, well, I get on to my, my my section next. Something I forgot to mention, I was in a midstream. Um, very quickly, going back to the rankings, um, I wanted to say about narrative events as well. Um, we'll we will take the rankings from that for the painting, uh, and we are um, obviously Hobby Hammer had their uh, Rise of Empires event um, this weekend. Uh, sorry, last weekend, which looked fucking amazing, and I was supposed to have been going, yeah. but I had to drop out because just because of costs. Um, but um, that looks amazing. But yeah, because of the nature of what we're doing with the rankings, you can put any event in. It doesn't matter. You know, we don't care if you know you're you're a match play event, an open play event, a narrative event, a one day event, a team event. Doesn't matter. So um, you know, do 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 make sure you send those results in to me um, as as the hobby hammer guys have. Um, so Ian, your triumph for triumph. For, I was going to say a triumph for it then. Uh, your, your return to the podcast I'm sure you have been beavering yeah. away at your hobby forge or your dining room table with no lighting um, what have you been doing in your <laughs> in your hobby recently mate, what have you been up to? Um, well I've been jumping around from project to project a little bit um, I had about two months off just doing, did pretty much nothing but um, I obviously have finished more models than Rob since <laughs> Um, so I've done some. I finished the Shade Spire starter set, okay. Which is um, basically because I went to mess around with some um, men. I had an idea to big burly um, men. It, uh, yeah, and, and a big burly woman. <laughs> well, she's a bit more. She's yeah. a bit more slender. Could could let's 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 not assume this could be transgender. Yeah. Oh, good God, yeah, don't don't label it. Mm. Um, so as I had the idea to um, glaze the gold armour of the Stormcast with um, some blue uh, shea, um, scale 75 deep blue. Okay. Um, very, very lightly glaze the underside. So do you know what they can do with the airbrush and you do the pre-shading? Yeah. It's like that, but at the end rather than the beginning. I, I know. So you, give, so, you, so you give the blue on the underside and then having the blue base in. Yeah. So it kind of, um, the, the idea was the tone of the armor matches the tone of the base in. So it's like, it's interacting yeah. rather than just having something to be bright gold on a, 
um, kind of darkish blue base. Um, and the Shade Spy is ideal for that because there's only three models. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's, it'll be great to see that if we can get a blog post off you and we'll get that up online as well so you can talk about that um, and kind of point it out on the models and the base would be really good to kind of visually show that and uh, explain that in yeah. detail. So, yeah, so that was one thing. So I did that. Then I did, um, I've in the middle of doing a Skaven Blood Bowl team at the moment, so which is just fairly, um, just want to churn through them because they need to be done. Um, how, did that, so, how did that Blood Bowl event go that you were oh, supposed yeah, to be going to? I forgot about your Blood Bowl, uh, love. Uh, I've, had to, I've had to cancel it, no. unfortunately. No. Yeah, so um, because of... Boo! Um, Boo! Yeah, it is. Uh, it's quite sad, yeah, but the team wasn't, it was no way near it was finished and it was never going to be, so I had to cancel it, um, which was a shame, but I'm in the middle of doing the team at the moment, which is fairly... Fairly basic. Um, they, to me, they're gaming pieces rather than anything to spend loads of time on. Something yeah. as quickly as possible. Okay. And I've started a Daughters of Cain army, which Yay. I think I think is going to take up the next six months or so. That's the plan anyway. Bandwagon. Well, I, I pre-bandwagoned. <laughs> so. What you bought? All the um, so yeah, so I bought. Well, I bought ten. Okay. Which elves? <laughs> yeah, exactly, Rob. Which elves? Which which elves? Yeah. <laughs> which elves? Um, yeah. Um, so I've done some test models for those. I've done five now. So and they are. I need to after seeing the Mathy. Uh, they. I'm not happy with them yet. They need. Um, of course. After seeing. After seeing Marathi, I need to change the colour of the cloth. Right, okay. Um, because it won't translate to the bigger model. I, 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 I understand what you mean there, yeah. Um, because of the way the her dress floats around her. It needs to be... I'm going to change in currently like a um, plum colour, quite a dark, deep red. Um, so I'm going to change that to white. So, and, But the rest is... Um, everything's kind of inky by darkness, shaded yeah. oh, so that kind of tone um, so I'm going to extend that into the snakes and the snake bodies of Malathi and so yeah it should look very good um, but I need to add another spot colour as well but I don't know how to at the moment because mm. um, the witch elves don't have an awful lot of detail something it's essentially skin skin boots yeah. a small amount of metal a small amount of cloth and the hair so they don't have anything vials or so, um, pouches or jewels even on them anywhere so to add in a, an extra colour as a spot colour is quite difficult for them mm. um, so and those are the put... blades um, mm, so yeah. they work quite well on the stormcast where they where the sort of the heavy metal team do them in that kind of screamer pink don't they and that looks quite that's quite nice yeah there's not a lot of handle on show either Right. <laughs> because of, because they, they Are you referring to the fact that witch elves might be cocking, tucking their cocks in between their legs? No. <laughs> Is that the handle poking out the back? It's oh, hell, like, like Ace Ventura. Vinkle ah, <laughs> is Einhorn. Einhorn <laughs> is Vinkle. Vinkle, Einhorn, Einhorn, Vinkle. No? 
No. No. <laughs> um, so I, I'm thinking about putting some streaks of pink in the hair, which is currently um, oh, based on carbolite green. Cheeky little highlight. Yeah, cheeky little highlight. So a bit like. Well, um, that, that, do, you, do you know what that'll actually tie in quite well with if you do it the same sort of colour? Is the colour of the snakes in Marathi's hair on a big serpent yeah. form? That's what I was that in with that. That's what I was considering. Um, oh, there we are. Great minds. So, yeah. Um, but it's quite working for us at the moment. I'm, I've built some of the others, but they haven't been undercoated yet. I'm going to finish the first five to get the test model out of the way first before tell all the, tell all the boys and girls your uh, the uh, idea that you had for the side of your cauldron of blood well this is possibly yeah. ridiculous um, but the based on the um, the teaser trailer where they showed like the the witch elves fighting the demonettes oh, in yeah. like a Greek style I was considering painting that as freehand up the side of the cauldron of blood, but I might not because it looks like a lot of work and possibly quite difficult. That would be fucking amazing. I mean, I will say, have you painted a cauldron of blood before? No, I've, I've looked at the instructions. I have no idea how to <laughs> how to do it at the moment. Having, having um, painted one, they are they are a lovely kit. I like if you think how not old they are now, but. You know, they're not particularly recent kits. Goes very, very nicely. You know, very 3D, a lot of details, um, accessible to paint. They do take a long time. There's a lot of surface area on that model to paint because you can see a lot. Yeah. So fair play if you crack on and do that. Saying that, though, that mosaic would be amazing. Literally amazing. Yeah. But you know, so, what you, you know what you could do? You could be a bit yeah. cheeky. In the, I don't know if you heard us mention it, but don't forget you can buy transfer paper. Yeah, That's I was considering that and getting, yeah. yeah, that was one option to um, get somebody to Photoshop it all together yeah. nicely, print exactly. it onto transfer paper, then um, put it up the side. Yeah, I might, even, which would be, I might even just steal that idea, do it before you. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> um, the other idea I had was to. Um, I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to use this, but I'm, I Is think I'm going to buy some... Is spunking cock? Um, not on this project, no. <laughs> Is Ian oh. like, like some um, sort of like rudeness catnip for you or something? You've been quite well behaved the last couple of episodes. It's just, it's now just... Ian's back and you're just like <laughs> it's just... being old, old Matt. I can just listen. Like I don't have to like talk as much now, so I can just listen and just make stupid <laughs> comments. It's brilliant. I'm, I'm not, this is like the best episode ever. Welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> um, where was I? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm not sure how I'm going to use this, but I think I'm going to buy some of the um, Daughters of King dice right. and then use use them as push, um, push moulds. Push moulds. Yeah, that's it, whatever they're called. So get some... Um, is it? I'm not sure how it's done. Actually, is it just a layer of green stuff, Rob? It's green stuff. Yeah. And, just, and pressed in, and then because it's the cane rune, mm-hmm. just dot them around various locations um, to make things more 3D. I was thinking about basing. I was going to say, yeah. I, I, I thought you meant basing up for a second. Just pop them around various locations, just like a massive well, rune of cane, just on the back of a witch elf. <laughs> well, it, it, well, I was thinking possibly on um, things like. Banners, um, 
things like the cauldron of blood. Mm-hmm. So okay. flat air, exactly. it's going to break it up. Wing um, membranes, like a la Valkyr and Bloodthirsters. Yes. Yeah, so to make it like scarification yeah. on wing membranes. To be fair, um, it's, it's often forgotten, but you do have sweet green stuff skills as, as as well as Rob, mate. So I'm sure you could definitely pull that off. It's 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 interesting for sure. Yeah, I think it's something to try. I'm not sure how successful it'll be at the moment, but I think it's potentially could be a good idea. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, that's where I am at the moment. So um, I've kicked Transcar. Yeah, has got to be kicked into touch for the time being. Oh, um, that is. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, because um, mainly because I couldn't afford fifty quid for five models across the entire army. <laughs> yeah, that'll, so, that'll do. That'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's a shame. But maybe you can do it as a kind of a side project, or you know, and honestly, you're saying, saying about you're saying about fifty quid for five models, and he goes and chooses which shelves. Yeah, true. Well, I, I'm close. I'm kind of hoping there's going to be a rebox for the wave two because I was, I was saying this earlier that um, I think the the price of which shelves, disciples of Cain, will be popular, but. At the moment, there's not a lot of people in our group initially picking them up because we're kind of waiting to see how the pricing goes with the Witch Elf box. Because yeah. when you when you think you can get 10 Witch Elves for the prices of, I think you can get like 10 Retributors or 6 Prosecutors and stuff for the same price now, it, it's, they do not feel like value for money at all. So, then they do it with the Liberators, so keep the same price, but then double the amount that they put in them. Exactly. Or yeah, exactly. So I think that's kind of the hope that maybe, you know, a box of 20 Witch Elves will go up to 40 quid RRP, you know, by the time you get your discount. That, that's not a bad price. Um, but um, the, I don't know if you ever saw, there was a, there was a box set they did where they did um, the the throne and uh, a box of box of Elves, um, which basically meant yeah. you, you got a free box of Elves, but um, that's now sold out. So... Fingers. You managed to get one, didn't you, Ian? Yeah, I did. Good. So that's the one I bought yeah. to um, jump on the bandwagon. <laughs> well, the, the hope is that obviously that that you know that will turn out to be a shit deal um, with the repricing of the witch house. So well done, Ian. Um, <laughs> um, but one thing I did want to say about the witch house, I mean, I'm super keen, and it's mostly because of my love of all things serpent. Um, I've just, I, I can't. I've got this real issue with them, knowing now as well from the reveal today, uh, which is uh, which is the 21st, that one of the units of the Witch Elves, which is the um, the Serpentine uh, melee-focused, I can't remember the name of the actual models, they can be battle line. So it means that oh, really? you don't even need it's Witch Elves. It. It's with a certain oh. general, though, isn't it? I know, but so. still you could do quite a it's lot. It's going to be Marathi, isn't it? I know, but it can, it can, everyone's going to want Marathi anyway. So, but it could be quite a low model count army, and that really appeals because I'd re- I really want to do my old dark elf scheme, the orange and the pale skin. Yeah, it's really, it's really. Yeah. I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good. It's all about disciples of Zinch at the moment. But one thing I think it was worth mentioning that's been revealed in the fluff. Um, and that's been extrapolated for the other races is this idea that, and I think it's very exciting because we've been kind of waiting to know what they're going to be doing with, you know, elves in Age of Sigma. Um, so the idea that um, when they, um, you know, when when they enslaved Slanesh, well not enslaved, but captured Slanesh, that they all got a portion of the the souls, the the elvish souls that he was laying claim to, to kind of fashion into their own races. Now that's such a small thing, but that is fucking amazing. Mm. 
So you've got Marathi's made these new races in her image. They're elves, but they're not elves as we know them. And then you've got Tyrion and Teclis doing the same. And then you've got, is it, is it pronounced Malerian? Malerian? Malerian, yeah. Doing this. That is just brilliant because we're not just now we don't have to see oh what would what are elves like when they've been in the mortal realms but literally these these entities now can fashion their own races from their own you know design stereotypes i think it's fucking brilliant so i think it's a super exciting time for elves i I, I cannot i mean can you imagine if like malarian i was thinking about today actually but you almost have like the way that he's depicted as this big sort of monster in the way they've gone with Marathi and, and the ones that she's sort of the, the gorgons that she's kind of fashioned like almost like kind of if you've got a black guard and a cold one and then made a centaur out of it do yeah. you know or you know that kind of thing or you know that all those oh yeah and it's going to be amazing you can even see tie-ins with you know you could be looking at elvish storm casts in a way you know almost yeah. with, with Tyrion and Teclis so just, just a small thing, but it's super exciting. Yeah, what it does is it allows the GW to make the centerpieces not have to be normal elf size. Yes. Yeah. So they, so you can see it's going to be a similar trend to a certain degree with Marathi. Marathi, it's going to be a big model portraying think, these characters, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you, I think yeah. you'll get, I think, um, Tetris and Tyrion, I think they'll... Um, I've got a feeling they might follow a similar sort of mechanic as Marathi. I think you might have a, you know, because the, uh, you know, you have a techless, it might be sort of, it might not be exactly the same mechanic, but I can see that the two models probably interact with each other in a, from a rules perspective as well. You might have, obviously said that techless has got, you know, Tyrion's blind, so techless sort of sees for him. Mm. So there might be some really cool interaction. You might have techless as a kind of spell caster size model and then, Tyrion, this massive, like avatar-sized dude, or you know, you can imagine like um, like a big flaming avatar with him at the centre of it. Yeah, it's almost like a like a dread knight, mm-hmm. but the dread knight made of flame. Sorry, when you said you, that, you, I just I just had this image, <laughs> had this image of of, of Teclis piloting Tyrion. Yeah, well, so what, just like strapped to him on like a baby like walk swaddle yeah, thing, wherever he's like, Come on, let's go. So, so, Rob, do you think it's going to be basically Tyrion in the Wicker Man? Yeah, it could, could potentially be, but a Wicker Man made out of fire. Well, it could be like an order version of um, uh, of the Cursling model, where he's just got well, that like wizened little thing on his shoulder. Just, yeah. Well, I, I know, yeah. I know. Uh, Ian will appreciate this being a comic book dude, and but I don't think he's much of a fan of X Men. But all the old artwork. Of Everyone's a fan of X Men. Come on. Jean Grey when she sort of becomes the Phoenix, you've yeah. got a big sort of Phoenix around her, where she's sort of this little speck in the middle, sort of harnessing the Force type, oh, the Phoenix Force. That would, something like something like that, because then they could just tie that into the Phoenix Temple and all the rest of it. That'd be bonkers. Well, that's so great about what they're doing is, you know, fucking the doors are wide open. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, on that, that little that little side journey, I think it was worth noting because it is very interesting. Um, my hobby has been cracking away at the uh, From Ember to Inferno campaign um, shenanigans. So we have completed our first instalment 
which was uh, December and January. Um, I'm cracking on with February's, which so far I've churned out three um, screamers each. Um, I've also just completed 21 Brimstone Horrors. 21's a weird number, you may think. Uh, but that's because I painted all of the ones I had, and because I have Silver Tower, I have 24 in total, and I painted three previously for a skirmish event that Chris hosted, so I had 21 left, so I thought, fuck it, I was all paint them all at the same time. Paint them all. And um, actually, it's it's been good for me, because I've, from the episode with Byron, um, I've kind of got back into the flow a bit with my, with my airbrush again. Um, and something I've actually learned, which I wanted to pass on to people, is that... Um, what I found I was doing with the airbrush a bit is I was almost using the airbrush like I was painting. So if I was doing a blue, um, I might start with a mid-tone blue and then do a lighter blue and then do a lighter blue and then do a white. And then from underneath, and you know, I'd put a shade on. Um, and for painting models, that's great. That works really well. But actually what I've noticed with the airbrush is I was doing that and I was just losing all those transitions on the lighter shades. So you think you've got your mid-tone blue, then you've got lighter blue, and then you've got your lighter blue, and then you've got your white. And I think there was too many colours involved. I wasn't happy with the results. And it wasn't until I listened to the episode with Byron that I kind of took that on board and actually realised that contrast is king. So what I've started doing is I've actually completely got rid of one of the blues. So my, my colour schemes now are a mid-tone blue spray the dark from the recesses or underneath you know a, a, a nice dark blue for example then i do one very light blue and then white sparingly and it's made for me it's been brilliant it's made such a difference to how happy i am with my airbrushing so you know in, in addition to what we were talking about with byron that's something i wanted to mention that because of the way that the, the airbrush works and the way that you can get that fade of the two colors you can go very strong um, so I've used that for what I feel like is good effect on my screamers. So they've got a, a blue to a pink uh, transition. Um, and then the, the, the brimstones themselves, I, I work through, you know, literally bottom of the model, almost like a, it starts to scream a pink and it works up from there as little flames. And they've come together quite well. So I'm really happy with those. Um, so when, well, just, just, just to stop you there quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so when you say that, I mean, you, I mean, I, I obviously I've experienced sort of similar things myself, but you're basically saying that the translucency of the, uh, well, the sort of the application of how the airbrush applies it almost creates that midpoint to begin yeah. with, and then when it when it sort of broadens out, then that that that's your end colour. So you're getting rid of the mid, the sort of the middle man, as it were, because the airbrush, the actual way it applies it or creates that fade naturally yeah and i mean translucency is probably not the right word but it's because of the nature of the way the airbrush works so uh, yeah. for example what i've done with my blue horrors which i'm working on at the moment they're blue but i've done the the, the hands a, a dark uh, a dark pink which is that scream of pink i mentioned um and that again that just works because i've got blue and because it kind of feathers it just it just it, it, it creates that transition itself because you're just focusing paint and it feathers out and it works really well. So again, it was just something I wanted to mention that I've kind of I've picked up on. But you know that that contrast is king. Um, and really, to be honest, other than that, I've not been up to an awful lot more because it does take up a lot of time. Unfortunately, I injured my hand the other day, so that's ruined some hobby time for me. I've been working on a little bit of 40k, which I don't want to go into too much detail on. But I've just done some work with my Blood Angels. But we have also got the Nurgle release, and um, so I've been updating some of my Cathurgal models for that. 
to better represent um, you know what's in the book. Um, so that means that I'm working on two of the Midden Beasts uh, from uh, Mercia, Mercia Miniatures at the moment. Really nice. I, I, I've kind of waxed lyrical about these guys before, but um, I've started working on mine, really enjoying them. They take dry brushing um, particularly well. Um, I brushed up nice, uh, I brushed, airbrushed up nicely um, because of the, you know, they've got such strong detail. Um, so as always. They look like little mini Glockins, don't they? They are, yeah. And they are, and they are quite chaotic. I mean, some people almost think mm. they're, they're almost, a bit more like the fen beasts uh, of old yeah. but these guys have got like tentacles and um you know uh, like the one of them's literally got like a plague bearer skull head so you know, they definitely do certain suit the nurgle theme so as always obviously we're sponsored by mercia um so that's www.mercia-miniatures.com um and i'm actually i'm not overly enjoying nurgle that much at the moment they don't seem to they're not gelling I think they're, they're still, for me they're still a melee army. Um, they've got the mortal wound stuff, which is cool, but they're all I don't know. I'm I, I'm not really down with the the speed. They don't feel right for me. Um, but I'm going to persevere with them. And my 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 plan going forward is I'm doing six beasts and Urgle in one of my lists, just to be annoying little bastards. So there'll be six of those midden beasts running around. Um, so that's that's really kind of. In all honesty, that's that's kind of my hobby. Um, I'm going to focus on the Zinch for a little while, and while getting the Cathergal stuff finished, um, Jen's now um, playing uh, again uh, and should be doing so regularly. Um, and she's, she'll be using my Stormcasts, so they're going to go on the back burner. I'm not going to do anything else to them for a while while she just plays. That she enjoys them, she gets them. So, you know, there's no need for me to dick about with them. Um, Yes, that, that's kind of my my hobby. Um, anything else you guys want to add before we crack on to a bumper listener questions? I was um, just adding that I've got a Nurgle army as well. Mm. And with the new releases, I was, it's very psychological. But I really like all the new models. And I just couldn't face painting anymore in, this, in the colour scheme that yeah. I previously did. Because the, I still remember the pain of painting the Glotkin. <laughs> with a brush yeah in a really pale mm-hmm. very pallid tone which took ages and yeah. ages and ages and i just couldn't do it i can't i can't see myself painting any more nougat for a long time but on the flip side you've now got you know a perfectly usable army um by ian gilmore standards um which is now got updated with a new book so i'd definitely say give them a try you might be might be interested to see how they work but um they're, they're just kind of not for me, really, at the moment. I'm quite, even at silly levels, I'm enjoying the Zinch too much. Mm. Yeah. And um, Nurgle Beastmen, now good. Nurgle Beastmen. Yeah. Uh, do, I, do I need, do I yeah, need to... That's still not a thing. Do I need to make it from 16 to 20 play bearers? Uh, yeah, that'll probably be a good shout if you are going to use oh, it. Right, I'm okay. to paint for. Um but um yeah anyway that, that's enough for that just yeah it, for those who don't know ian did you paint them in the numbers of nurgle is that what it, what it was about uh no just that's how many Cause wasn't that before i painted um yeah you're such know. a such a narrative game you did, it was for the, for the end times wasn't it and then there, was a, there was a reason but i can't remember it's 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 long it's long past being relevant yeah brilliant Right, so we'll crack on to, we'll have a little break and we'll be right back for some questions. (laughs) 
and we are back. Uh, you guys <laughs> missed that sweet break of them just ripping on the new Star Wars movies. Uh, apparently, Kylo Ren isn't a good uh, good bad guy, but I disagree. No, sorry, I didn't say that. Yeah, you yeah, said you... he was the best bad guy in a Star Wars movie. That's he is. what I... Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I firmly believe he is, he is the best uh, Star Wars bad guy there's been. Um so anyway, on that note, let's crack on to some um, list, uh, <laughs> some uh, listener questions. So I just gave a, a quick shout out um, the other day on Twitter and we've had some really good ones come in. So I thought as with the three of us together, um, let's give them the time they deserve. Um, let's basically just record on these and um, let's go from there. Um, so the first one in quite a, a particularly well thought out one here from Tales of Sigma, who I think have just... Um, I think the new episode's out or they've just recorded and I've not had a chance to caught, catch up yet because I'm in my working week but that'll be out at some point if it's not already and he's asked yes yeah, uh, thank you for confirming so he's he's, he's asked how do you decide so this is at Tales of Sigma on Twitter how do you decide on basing when starting a new project do you have an idea straight away or do you do test bases until you're happy with the design so we'll do round robin and we'll start with Ian I have no idea. Basing some of them terrible at. I just don't enjoy doing it. So I avoid basing right until everything's painted, right, right. at the end. And then I struggle with the colour scheme for sometimes weeks to decide. And now I find it's easy just to ask Twitter <laughs> to let somebody else decide. Fair enough to do it. Um, so will you do a couple of different ones, um, a couple um, of options? Yeah, normally I do like a couple of. Um, I got to normally I get a rough idea whether it needs to be light or dark. Mm. So now it because if it's if the model itself is light, generally you want the base to be darker or vice versa. Mm. But um, or you could, but it's yeah I just don't enjoy doing it, so I do it right at the end. Interesting. But after after all the, all the paint has been done, I just base everything in one go. And, and this is a genuine question. Do you feel that oh, the kind of impression I get from you is because I know that you do follow that you're a box art wanker, so you, yeah. you follow the standard schemes. Do you think part of that is that kind of comes into it? So suddenly you've got the freedom to do whatever you want because we know the GW basing is quite generic, um, or you use their you know their, their very specific kind of tight you know uh, uh, casted bases. Do you feel like suddenly that's something like you've got so many options that you just you just you literally your brain just goes I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do with this. Um, a little bit, yeah. It's kind of it's something that um, when I was younger. When I was learning to paint, when once the model, when when the model had been finished painting, I didn't bother basing it. Right, okay. And because because the the basing was irrelevant because it's now the model's finished being painted. Right. So I never learnt okay. properly. Um, but the and the GW style has always been the very, fairly um, decluttered, mm-hmm. for want of a better word. Um, so just yeah, never really got it. Never it never was something I enjoyed doing, which made it harder for me to be able to do it well. Yeah, I get you. I mean, um, it is, and you are right. It is kind of only somewhat of a recent thing. Thinking about it, the bases where people really started to push the bases. Um, I, and it, it really with 8th you saw a lot more of the kind of the, the unit fillers and people doing more elaborate joint bases 
Um, and I think it was almost the freedom of movement you got with maybe some of the newer 40k models when you started seeing stuff like Dark Eldar and you know even like the Harlequins and stuff. It kind of lent people to go, oh, because they're all jumping and prancing about and they're not just Space Marines stood on a 25 mil base. There's not much you can do with. Uh, and then people started bringing in things like cork and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting. Interesting you approach it that way. Uh, Rob, what about you? Um, well. Similar to Ian, really. I think because I've all, like box art's always been an aspiration of mine. As you know, it's a sort of well, no, well, no it has been. I mean, like, and you, you see, especially growing up in it's like uh, tracing, looking at, uh, looking at the uh, so you put me off. Um, you know, looking at White Dwarf and looking at the army books and stuff. That's like the models are cool, and if you could get them to look as close to that as you possibly could, then it's like that's that was that was the end goal and. Um, Really, it's only my, my sort of uh, woodland mixed order. Um, it was the first sort of army, uh, well, first set of miniatures where I, I didn't do the the basic, you know, Monfang brown highlighted with a shabty bone and screaming skull and then a steel mm. drab base, which a rim, which is what yeah. the basic games workshop sort of box art thing is. I mean, um, and it always felt that to me that if I did anything else, it's kind of like it's weird because it wasn't like a, an official kind of base. Does that make sense? Like I, I don't like yeah. like so like I don't like resin bases. You know what I mean, like I, they do me in um, like third party ones. Not that there's anything wrong with them, but um, well, clearly so, there is because they do your head in. Well, yeah, but the um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's having gloss. It's gloss yeah. over it. Um, Rob pisses off the entire casting world of uh, <laughs> third-party resin yeah. bases. You guys it's, are I, fucking crooks. Your bases look shit. But it's it's it's, it's, it's similar in a way. It's it's, a, it's another weird thing. Why don't you? I don't use any third-party like models mm. or bits for my conversions at all. Even if it means like there's an easier option. I'll, I you know specifically make the life hard for myself. I guess in some aspects because I want to use a, a specific GW. Sort of model or, or bit, and I think the um, with the advent of you, know, you sort of saw it towards the end of eighth, and uh, um, you know you, you got uh, character models that had sculpted bases that came. You know you had the yeah. the, the Chaos Lord, the Sorcerer. I think uh, obviously the um, High Elves before that kind of dabbled with it. You had the the Mage and the and the Hero uh, pack. With a mounted arm foot that had sort of pre-sculpted bases, and there were a few before that with like Skaven, I think, as well. Um, and it's only really since then, and the move to, and I said before, like the space rings. I'm looking at my space walls in my cabinet now. You know, they're still still on 25s, and there's not a lot of room for anything. There's probably a room for, you know, a Chaos Space Marines helmet or a skull yeah. or yeah. A, one bit of slate or something. Um, so definitely, the move to bigger bases and sort of everyone being not ranked as it were, in, in fantasy or iOS now, obviously lends itself to people being a lot more creative, you know, and, and you know, having that sort of a creativity that they perhaps saved for standalone models and centerpieces that, you know, that you, you, you're able to go to town on even the sort of rank and file stuff. And it's what I did with the dryads to try and break them up a bit was sort of incorporate parts of the Citadel wood kit in there and, and stuff. And, and the basing itself, it was the first time that I did bases that weren't following that standard GW thing. So I just, when I was taking the dog for a walk in the, in the sort of, uh, you know, down the, down the park or something, actually looking at sort of undergrowth and what colors they were and, and all the rest of it. 
and I, can, I kind of think that's probably the downfall of the army and it's certainly part of the feedback that I had from certain people was that the um, because I went so natural with the tones don't contrast with the miniatures enough yeah I think um, I think that's quite key. I think basing in particular needs to be. It's got to need, frame the miniature. Yeah, it always needs and, to be and, the contrast point. And and I guess you know from a realism point of view, they're they're very realistic because mm. they're you know plants that have come to life in effect, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? So for them to look like their bases and, and having them, you know, some of the dryads and the colonel hunters sort of interact with the bases and have the tree bits on them and that that kind of obviously makes him look a bit more individual, but also exacerbates the, the problem of them not contrasting with their bases. So I think it's quite, it's a hard balancing act to get right. And no, I agree. Interesting yeah, just to a, pick up It's a on, skill unto itself. Uh, something you were just, you were just saying about third party companies as well is, um, I, I was just thinking, and I have been thinking this for a while. That's, it, it's become quite, I, I've done it to be honest. I've, you know, I, I, I've got to the point where I've got a drive where I want all my models to be GW, and I think it's fine. And that was what I wanted to do with my Nurgle was swap out all the GW models. But I've actually backtracked on that. I'm not, I'm not going to do that now. I'm happy with the army as it is. Um, but I think that almost what happened was uh, we almost had to for a long time um, because, quite simply, GW were putting models out, but they weren't putting out a lot. Um, I mean, you think back to, you know, Abominations. Um, you know, you, you go back and you look at Ian having to basically scratch build um, Globe It Is. Um, so it's still happening, uh, unless it's a main release. There's, there's literally models out there which are ancient, um, which, which, are still, which are still being used. Um, and I think that's where the third-party models really come into their own. Um, you know, even in 40K, which I'm quite, I'm still surprised by. 40K come out, they do the new codex. Blood Angels comes out, and you got hey, here's Dante. He's a badass. He's the chapter master of the Blood Angels. Look at this old wanky <laughs> model. And like, what the fuck? Stay on target. We're talking about bases. But no, but no. But this, as an example, talking about the third-party side of thing. You know, that's. I think that is. We nowadays we, oh, yeah. we can do that. Yeah. We can sit there and go, "Well, I want all my models to be GW," which is great because the models are putting out are amazing, and there's loads of them, and they cover all the gaps in the army books. But we haven't always had that, so there's something I kind of want to mention. Um, but me with basing and actually taking on board both of what you've said there, um, my journey has is maybe in comparison to you guys, maybe a few years ahead of where you are now, and I don't mean that as an ego thing. Um, but I've most certainly in eighth. Um, really made a concerted effort to make my basing um, complement my armies. Um, and that's something I learned through my, my Dark Elves. Um, that was my, back in 8th, that was my first try at something different where I said, I want to do desert basing, but I don't want to use yellow, um, which was very well received. Um, that then moved across over to my, my initial Chaos Army, which I was doing. Um, obviously, the Nurgle Army I went with, um, I knew I wanted um, a display board, and I knew my models were on water. So it's hard to do watery bases and that's where this idea of if people who haven't seen my Thurgle bases they are literally three mil clear uh, acrylic um bases um which i've then put um woodland seen its water effects on and made waves and whatnot really simple like stupidly simple like you don't have to glue the models on you can put them on the water and when it's set to hold them in place you don't have to glue your models onto the bases um but in my eyes it works really well so actually what I do nowadays is that I always have an idea of what I'm going to be doing with the basing as as I'm working on, or not before, the army. 
Um, so another example of that is my zinch, which I'm doing from the From Ember to Inferno. I wanted to do something different on the basis, and I I can't even think where I came up with it from. I just wanted this idea of mirrors, um, and so I use a bit of plastic card. Uh, I've got some it's dirt cheap reflective sheet uh, self adhesive backs off eBay. Cut it to shape, black rim, stick them on the basing in the in the snow, and so happy with them. The concept really, really works. What I will say, if you're thinking about basing and you want, you, you don't want to put too much thought into a good-looking base, you can't go wrong with snow. I really mean that. Go, go, pretty much any colour you do your base. Wax snow over the top, couple of tufts, put some snow on it. It's gonna look good. You know, that's like my default, and it really, really does look good. That the new Valhalla, Valhalla Blizzard from GW as well was newish, um, so easy to use. Yeah, I've used loads of that. Yeah. It's really good. Not not cheap if you're doing it across a whole army, but it's the fact you can no. build it up as well. So you can do the base, yeah. leave the model there, and you go, oh, actually, it just needs to be. You just scoop a bit more on and put it on. It's really good stuff. Works really, really well. So I would always recommend people snow basing if you just want to do a good, a nice-looking base off off the start. Uh, you know, that that's a good example. I do do test bases, and people would have seen this as well. I did three different colors for my Zinch. Um, and just got opinions on them, see what people thought. Try models on them. Put models you painted on. Does this look right? Does this contrast? Is it too similar? Is it knocking the colors off? Because basing cha almost changes the colors of your models as well. So a little bit from column A, a little from column B. I think it's always when you're thinking of an army, have a think about the basing as well. If you've got a really brightly colored army, so even something like Space Marines, you know, or, you know, if you're doing your... Um, Stormcasts. So mine was a bright yellow and black. There's an awful lot of contrast. Do I want to bring another colour into that? Answer: Probably not. So that's why I've got, you know, Bane Blade brown, brown bases worked up to white. It's a, it's a neutral Bane colour. Blade. Bane Blade. Bane Blade. Bane Blade. Then it's um, it's it's a new, and that's I think that's the way to think of it. I think of it like it's framing your models. Basing is very important, but you don't have to go crazy with it. Um, very basic works. So if you've got strong colours, go for a more neutral base. Um, if you've got quite you know quite neutral models on your uh, quite neutral colour scheme on your models, go for a crazy base. You know you can do. I that. think um, one thing, and it's one thing that um, uh, how I've decided upon the base for bases for my chaos sort of army is uh, going from the centerpiece and working backwards. So obviously um, Bellacore and the other sort of main conversions I'll be doing for the army um, are on sort of well he's on an exploding realm gate and Egrim's going to uh, on sort of a ruined oculum so it's going to be and the display board that I'm going to do for them eventually will be um, sort of like a ruined Sigmarite sort of city um, which is uh, even cooler now that they've sort of started to, to develop the storyline so they've actually incorporated actual cities so it's not just an Ophidian archway, a numerous oculum, and a couple of realm gates, you can actually have them interspersed with actual towns and stuff now, the way that the fuss going with all, yeah. obviously with the, uh, with the way that's going. Um, and I'm, you know, I've been eyeing up, uh, the, uh, that new, what is it? The, um, the layer of the Astromancer that they've re-released. Oh yeah. So which fate tour. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that'll, that'll make an appearance, I think. Um, but the uh, so it's getting that idea and then working back. So I'm not. I was going to use the Shat Dominion bases for some of them, um, but I'm not. I'm, all I'm going to be doing is 
with those basing kits, you get like separate bits of yeah. rubble, mm-hmm. like That's a Sigmarite kind of thingy rubble, and just have them interspersed, you know, on like the Marauders and the Pink Horrors and the Skyfires and stuff. Perhaps with the bigger models like the Skyfires, so I'm going to have bits of rubble left over from the Ophidian Archway or the Numinous Oculum, and they're going to be, I'm going to pin them so they look like they're sort of flying over it and perhaps not use the the sort of swirly bits that hold the discs up normally. So, you know, perhaps if you've got a big model in mind, you know, do a rob and do a big model first and then work out work your army back from that. Yeah. That no, might I, be a good idea. Yeah, I think that's a good way of approaching it as well. Um, so, yeah, some ideas on bases. And the other thing I wanted to mention as well that I've started doing um, – and I'm actually really happy with the results, is I've only recently started washing my bases. And what I mean by that is that I've always been one of those who I paint my base a colour, I dry brush it up. Um, I've actually started treating my bases like they are miniatures. So I base coat, say, grey, Halford Grey Primer, one of my favourite um, spray paints. Um, and then with my each bases, for example, I wash them all um, with a, a purple ink. And then I dry brush up. And I really would recommend, I would really, really, really would recommend it gives you such great contrast because I think sometimes where I've not done it in the past, you lose that transition, uh, that contrast in colours. Um, so give it a try. If you're thinking about some new bases, do one where you just dry brush as you would normally, flat colour, dry brush up, or, and then do another one where you wash it, uh, treat it like it was a miniature and you wash it down and then you dry brush up and it looks really good, really, really good. So I would definitely recommend that. Yeah, I do that. Yeah, it's something that I do. Um, um, it's it also allows you to by che- changing the color of the wash, changes the dramatically changes the final thing. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. what? So so it allows you a lot more flexibility, mm-hmm. even if you're using the same dry brush and base coat. Yeah, and you can bring yeah, another color into it. Works as well. well. Yeah. Yeah, it works well. Excellent. Well, I'm glad. Well, I knew I wasn't the only one doing it because I know Chris, uh, Chris Omlin in the Black Sun's uh, a proponent of this as well. But I just thought I'd share that as a little tip. This is something I've only recently started doing. Um, so the next question we had through was from, um, we mentioned them already, at Hobby Hammer. So fresh from the Rise of Empires uh, event last weekend. And uh, a nice straightforward one, straight to the point. Good tips for dry brushing well to achieve blends. Rob, any thoughts on dry brushing? Uh, yeah, I think uh, there was. We'll tie another question with that. He said about um, like brushes as well. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, so that was at Greedy Raven. Uh, good tips for saving dry brushes so I don't have to keep buying new ones. Yeah, so I'll tie this in for two things. Never use a GW game, uh, uh, dry brush for dry brushing unless you're doing bases or like armor and stuff. The way where you don't mind sort of that sort of scratchy kind of finish. Yeah, uh, well, if you're I, doing... I agree. I think they're good. Out of the box, ready to go, they are good dry brushes. But as, as get yourself we... down B and M bargain or yeah. Poundland, where you get five makeup brushes for a quid, yeah, and use one of them for each colour you'll ever dry brush with. So have one. Don't try and wash them because they don't wash well. Just a little, tiny little bit of paint. So have one for your for your. I know for your bone, have one for your silver, have one for all the different colours that you think you might want to dry brush on a project. It's only a fibre, um, and just use those. Uh, they're, they're a lot softer. Uh, you get brilliant. Byron swears by them. Mm. Aaron achieved amazing results on his Lord of Change 
going from uh, going from black straight to like celestial grey, which is a, a dry brushing. That's a feat in itself. Yeah, um, to do that, and that it looks like it's edged highlight. It, it just does, and it, that's one of my favourite sort of. Not to, not to be much too much because I know get bigger, but that's oh, no, one of my favourite. He loves it. Oh yeah, but one that's one of my favourite mid models from 2017. I've got to be honest. Oh nice. Just because the, the, the just the the whole idea, and I just love that whole crow look. You know, like the darkened thing. It's just such a nice change to see it on something like that, and yeah. it goes well with the rest of his army. What, but yeah, having on makeup side, brushes. On a side note, sorry, I need to interrupt this because this is genuinely Go weird. On. So I went to bed last night thinking about how I was going to paint my Lord of Change. Yeah. So I'm going to go for pinky, yeah. pinky colours and black, right? Yeah. However, I then dreamt that I got up in the morning, went downstairs, and went to look at my Lord of Change to think about the colour placement, and then I oh, went, oh, of course, I've already gone and airbrushed this and all dry brushed it up, and it looks great, which I hadn't, and then woke up fucking confused <laughs> <laughs> as to what was going on with my Lord of Change. But anyway, yeah, you were saying about makeup brushes. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to be using, I mean, uh, we said I think it was on, on the episode with Byron that um, I find dry brushing quite, uh, you know, saying about blends, um, I find it quite quite a good tool to use to, to not for the final effect, but to see where your highlights are going to go. Yeah. Rather than mm-hmm. sort of sitting there and thinking, oh, should I going to look up, put a line edge here or am I going to blend that highlight there? Dry brush it first. And you can either glaze over it to to then sort of achieve that blend. And I know Ian had some fantastic. I'm going to steal his thunder, but he had some fantastic results on some tyranids that he painted doing this very similar technique to that. Um, but at least it gives you an idea. Of, right? Okay. Well, that's where that needs to be a sharp highlight. That's where it needs to be a blended highlight. And then you can go back and actually use that as a template to then do to smooth out the transitions and get rid of that grainy effect. Um, and yeah, I think that, I mean, the, the dry brushing for blending on, a, on the most basic level um, is, is to watch the Archeon video that Duncan did, um, where he does the centre part of Dorgar from black through to Rakarth flesh with basically dry brushes and using the GW washes as, as glazes. And he yeah. gets a really good effect there as well. So there's, some, there's plenty of stuff out there. And I think that's almost why, in a way, I mean, fair play, I mean, all credit to the Duncan videos, definitely, that dry brushing is becoming a um, bit more of a, a, a used technique again. Um, you've got people like Byron kind of fighting its corner, and then you've got Duncan doing the videos, and a lot of people are watching those. Um, and it definitely has a use, 100%, 100% has a use. Um, I think there's an element of scale as well, though, with the dry brushing, when you're talking about achieving blends and things. Um you know, stuff like Lords of Change, so modern kind of large kits, really, really good for dry brushing, even like the, you know, Scar Brands and the Bloodthirsters and things. Using these things, like using makeup brushes and really, you can li- you just get rid of all the paint. So if you drew it along your arm, you just would get no colour off. And then you just start gently just kind of brushing that across the model. And it, it, it's almost like magic. It, it works so well. Like those raised surfaces will only pick the paint up and it will be ever so gentle. And then when you're talking about achieving blends, you know, you can work that through a couple of brushes. You can work from a blue to a pink, you know, just by doing this and just gently kind of building the colours up with the dry brush. It works particularly well. Um, and then you can even use glazes as well to help those transitions. 
but it's all about what they always say with dry brushing virtually no paint like none like none especially with the makeup brushes and do go out and buy them but don't buy too big you can get a range of sizes like super drug in the uk you can get like a set of four which i use for about four quid um and the decent brushes as well um you can get the kind of cheap hand store ones and they are good but they can kind of fall apart and you'll get fiber stuck in your model sometimes um and actually counter to what rob says whenever i use these brushes i actually go up and as soon as i use it i go up to the sink run hot water not hot water warm water and just wash all the paint out make sure it's fully dry and then i can use it again for another color again it's just kind of it's that ongoing maintenance it's made a big difference to mine i got them at christmas uh, and mine are like as good as the day I bought them. I know it's only two months in the general scheme of things, but they're they're performing really well. Ian, you a fan of dry brushing? Um, I'm not particularly good at it. I don't use it a lot. No. Um, I think I've always, whenever I've, I would, I've never been that successful with it because I'm mm. too impatient. Yeah. Because um, I, I either, it's the, um, I either don't take enough paint off. Or I want to change colour, yeah, and I can't be bothered waiting for the brush to dry. <laughs> so it's a combination of those two things. Just ends up having bad results, so I just kind of moved away from it. Um, when I do use it, I never use it in isolation. I always either glaze over the top, or use, um, for example, a GW wash and do the um, wash it after it's dry brushed to yeah. create the blend that way. Um, so yeah, so yeah, don't, no, I'm not very good at it, so don't get any tips off me. <laughs> Fair enough. I think the funny fact, one of the things you mentioned there is quite important, is that you never want a wet brush when you're dry brushing. Or needs, it, it sounds stupid, but you want a completely bone-dry brush. You put a wet dry brush, or just even a slightly damp dry brush near anything, and the results are horrendous. Um, yeah. So really, kind to, to answer Hobby Hammer, so our, our tips really are makeup brushes, um, get some cheap but decent ones, um, and you know just take your time you can do strong transitions but literally no paint on your paintbrush um you can build up the dry brushes just by successive layers and you can do different colors by doing the same thing um and if you wanted saving the brushes so you don't have to keep buying them that's probably referring to the gw ones i'm literally sat here now looking at about my four different gw dry brushes and they're all fucked um very very quickly so buy the makeup brushes um as Rob says, either use them for one colour or, as I say, just walk up to the sink, give them a nice wash off in, in warm water and they should should do you well. Um, next up then we had um, at cold underscore fury1872. How do you plan colour schemes? Do you write down before beginning? Splash paint about and see what evolves. Um, so Rob, how do you approach these? When you're doing um, crazy conversions. Colour schemes. Uh, well, funnily enough, it's something that um, I've gotten into. Um, obviously, I haven't painted anything for ages. So, the, uh, as I said, the Sylvanesse stuff or the, the mixed order stuff, whatever you want to call it, um, was it's kind of, I, I got the colour scheme again from, if I'm painting something like that and I've got the battle tone, there's usually... You know, GW have probably done half the work for me <laughs> and I've got a, a, a spread of different oh, this is from this wargrove, this is from this wargrove, this is from this wargrove and you know blah, 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 that's the paint scheme, you know, that's what that's what they look like. Um 
and my again mine was based um, on a theme. So there's a war grove in um, so the Sylvanith battle tome uh, that are they almost worship Orion as much as they do Alariel. Right. Okay. Um, there's a lot of Colonel Hunters um, and all the rest of it. It wasn't a filth choice uh, for having loads of Colonel Hunters. Um, it was more to do with the fact that I knew that I, my uh, well, my centerpiece was Orion. Wasn't a gaming the reason. That, no, no, no. Um, and so obviously the centerpiece being Orion, um, and uh, the the Glade Lord on the Forest Dragon being a conversion using one of the old Wild Rider heads, which obviously tie into the Hunters and, and the God of the Hunt and all the rest of it. So uh, it's more of a narrative thing. Plus the uh, the main difference in the colourways for a lot of the Sylvaneth Wargroves are based on the Tree Revenant's hair. That's oh, probably right. the only thing that changes if you look at them. So the uh, uh, the colour scheme for that Wargrove, the hair on the Tree Revenants and such, uh, is like um, I think it's like Temple Guard blue or Stegadon scale green, that kind of colour. And obviously uh, that worked quite well on the uh, Lawmaster conversion because of with the pale body and the way that the hair was from the Dark Elf Sorceress kind of framed it quite well. Um, and I carried that over then into the, the Tree Revenant conversions that I did and the Glade Lord's hair as well. So, yeah, pretty much go by, you know, pick a scheme that GW have come up with. Um, not really one for, you know, sort of doing off the wall colors or color schemes. It's usually an official one. Um, you know, my my Stormcast are going to be Anvils of Hedenhammer, like the black ones, um, or or the Celestial, whichever the ones, the white. So I think they're either going to be black or white. I haven't quite decided yet. Um, but yeah, so it's it's usually from the you know from the battle tomes and the fluff. Right, that kind of informs your color scheme. So you kind of almost in a narrative way, you have an idea of how your army's going to look based on you know the, the yeah if you have and, and, and for and the thing, I mean, um, Egrim Van Horseman's a little bit different because, I mean, weirdly enough, there's a lot of artwork for him. There's only one piece of artwork, really, where it's colour artwork. Right. Yeah, yeah. Most of his artwork's black and white. Um, and weirdly, again, when he's been re- when he was released, they've painted him two different colours because um, re- they re-released him sort of a couple of years different. And in one, one way, they've done him a certain colour and I know they've done them a different one um, so that was quite hard to pin down what was the official colour for him but what I've done is is because he's going to be I'm going to be proxying him as Kairos yeah I've painted him the Kairos colour scheme okay so he's his he's middle the new Kairos colour scheme so middle body you know like a really dark blue with the blue, light blue chest and then red to pink to bone wings so people, you know, he's a big two-headed monster, each monster that's the same colour as Kairos. Um, cool. So hopefully people aren't going to be too, uh, you know, it's not, it's obviously, it's going to be obvious as to what he is. On that note as well, the other thing I didn't mention on my hobby thing, I'm rebasing him. I'm actually going to rebase him onto an actual cool. conversion proper Kairos-sized uh, base. So it's going to mean rejigging okay. the ruined um, oculum that he's stood on top of. You probably have to cut away certain aspects of that. It's still going to have the dead 
or dying Lord Castellan on the bottom. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I did have a bit of a think about it, and I'll speak to a couple of people about bases and stuff and nice. base sizes. I, I, yeah, I thought I'd chuck him on the right size base as yeah. well. Just to be just to be on the safe side. And yeah, that's it. I'm going to avoid the obvious lols, um, Ian. But uh, colour schemes, where do you, where do you, how do you approach these? It, um, I'm very influenced of what I've painted my last project. Right. So if if a whatever the last project colour was, I avoid those colours for the next one. Oh, okay. Because because I can't face paint any more of the same colour. Right. Okay. Gotcha. So, um, for example, the the Iron Jaws from last year mm-hmm. was predominantly yellow and black, and I couldn't face paint any more yellow now, because for the moment anyway, because it's it's just six months of painting yellow yeah. is enough for anybody for a long while. So for the so that's one influence, and then I just decide on a color, just one pot of paint which I like. Mm-hmm. And then I, I based the colour scheme around that. Gotcha. So the the Daughters of Cain, which I'm planning on doing, is going to be based around Inky by Darkness. Yeah, I remember you saying about the uh, time so, together. So I'm going to be doing the 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 leather, the all the um, like the boots and that kind of stuff is basically that um, high, washed with black and highlighted up. Um, by mixing, I've glazed it over the all the metal. So the gold and the silver, so it ties in the tone between that and the, awesome. the boots. You know, you and, know you're, um, you're sort of, oh, sorry. Go on. Yeah, carry on. I was going to say, you know, you, you perhaps you're saying struggling for a, a spot colour for him. Do you think mm. it might be worth waiting until the, have a look in the book when it's released? Because I'm sure there'll be different colts and whatnot. Yeah, that's um, definitely on my agenda to actually think about, look, go through what the, um, like those little pictures, the cartoon ones, they be they will be some in the book, no doubt. Um, so I'll have a look at them and see if any picks my fancy, takes my fancy. But um, yeah, so ge- that's what generally is what I've painted before and I've had, I'm sick of and the colour I like at the moment. And mm. the two together normally um, defines what I'm going to do. It's the choice of army as well is very dependent on what I've done previously because I want something totally different. So, see, it's kind of um, less of the choice of the army for me, but um, I'm I'm not overly dissimilar to yourself, to be honest, Ian. Um, I I tend to more I I, I specifically choose a colour um, that I want to do. So, Stormcaster was yellow. I've done orange in the past. Obviously, red for the corn, Blood Angels, all the, all these different things. That's that's how I approach a colour scheme. Um, I just kind of decide a colour I want to do and, and go with it. Um, but I'm also, I'm quite a, um, I like to get ideas online. So I like to have a look online, look at armies and see what other people have done and how they've used certain colours. And I'll do searches for like orange, dark elves and stuff and get ideas. Um, or it will be something like, um, oh my, my Stormcasts are, I really like the sight of the Emperor colour scheme for the Space Marine chapter. So I was like, I just want to do that on Stormcasts. That was always going to be, that was always going to be a thing. So I do plan them. Um, I don't tend to write them down before beginning. What I do tend to do is I, I now always, um, write down what I do as I go along. Cause I forget. Yeah. 
Yeah, I do that as well. So annoying. Like, you get to base and you're going, oh, which purple did I use? Did I use Dashala, whatever her name is, um, purple, or did I use Screamer Pink for the first colour? And I think just writing stuff down is so important. Yeah, and it's I totally agree with that. that. But, yeah. I mean, solo models, though, or say if I'm just painting something ra- randomly, I'll splash paint about and see what happens. Yeah. Sometimes you can see. learn a lot by doing that. Yeah, I'm totally the same. It's kind of, I, I never, I just... When it's just a one-off model with just to learn or just to play around with, I never write the actual recipes down. No. But I'm exactly like you. I write the recipes down if it's going to be a, a big project because it, it come back to if you want to expand it in a couple of years' time, you know what you've done rather than trying to remember. Yeah, I mean, not even a couple of months' time, honestly. A couple of, a couple of um, you know, a few weeks or so, it can really really fuck you up so if there's any because i've been caught on the other side of this so many times so if i if there's one bit of advice i could give people at the moment is write your bloody color schemes down because you'll you'll regret it if you don't brilliant um so next one we had old stone beard um how would you emulate john blanche's unique aesthetic on a on a 2k 2kp army so 2000 point army scale um i'm probably gonna let you guys lead on this one a little bit um i don't know if stone if he's this chap's listened to the podcast much but i'm not the biggest fan of his style so it's not something i try and emulate but i'm sure you guys have some sweet tips i i'm not sure i look at john blanche's work and it's either amazing or terrible, mm. and I can't decide. Yeah, I know. Where um, I, because I know where I sit on that side. Of, side because of some of the some, it's so messy. Mm. But then, some of the things like the the check work he does, is quite actually, is well done. Yeah. So I, I, it's kind of in my head. I can't. It's just odd. Um, I was when I was, um, back in the nineties, back in the day. Um, I was very much in the Mike McVeigh style yeah. of learning, um, so I never learned how to paint in the John Blanche style. I'm not sure how you would, if you're going to try to cop, learn how to do it, I would start small, try to copy it. If you wanted to try to copy it, copy it on a single miniature. I think that's good. Try to try, try try to work out how it's done first before trying to expand it to a full army. It's definitely done with um, lots of washes. Mm-hmm. And um, dry brushing as well. Had, quite heavy dry brushes, I would say, is used. Yeah, I'm not even sure if it's odd, like oil paints or something like that. Yeah, involves as well. It's a very artistic um, way of painting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure. It's very. I wouldn't know where to. I'd, it would be a lot of experimentation to be able to mimic that style. Um, and I'm not sure how, if it's done badly, I'd imagine it would turn out bad. very bad. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, start small. Rob, you mentioned something about you kind of remember some early painting articles or something. Yeah, it was um, an article in a white dwarf bloody years ago when um, he was showcasing some of his work. Um a lot of it uh, around the Adaptus Titanicus game. Yeah. So the original Titan models and miniatures and stuff. And Ian's right, it makes extensive. Well, at the time, he's probably developed as he's, uh, you know, because that was, Christ, that would have been almost 30 years ago, this article was. 
but it was um, he used to seal his miniatures guess what he used to seal his miniatures in um, apple cider no something wow. less less weird than that oh, more, less... more relevant to the hobby um, smelly primer no super glue what yeah um so it's it's seal miniatures in super glue rather than varnish because he liked the uh, the effect that it gave and like the scabbiness and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, weird. A um, lot of old paints, a lot of um, sort of almost uh, like uh, how old painters paint. So a lot of old, old painters, classical old painters, will paint with spatulas, right? Yeah, rather than paintbrushes. Um, so a lot of actually pulling paint and uh, oil pigments across a miniature to create uh, sort of depth and, and highlights and stuff on surfaces that probably don't, I mean, you know, he's probably working with miniatures that are lost, a lot less defined than they are now. Right. And so having to create yeah. that sort of definition right. yourself through that. weathering and conversions and stuff. So a very, uh, as, you, as you guys said, a very, for want of a better word, classical artistic kind of approach to it. Um, which is probably why it's so divisive in mm. in its pop, you know, in its uh, sort of appreciation across the community. You know, some people love it, um, some people hate it. I don't think really. I can appreciate it for what it is. It's not my style, um, as you boys have said. I'm, you know, I wanted to emulate the the Mike McVeigh style growing up, which is the clean kind of box art kind of look to it, the action figure look. Yeah. With everything black lined and all the rest of it. Um, so yeah, not not my style, but I can certainly appreciate it for what it is. But I think it would it would it would translate quite different. It would be quite a it'd be a mission to do it well across the two thousand point army. I think. Mm. I think a maybe even just simplifying it somewhat and kind of going right. My first stage for these is going to be I'm going to do a, a dry brush. Uh, you know, if, if it's cloth, it's going to kind of be this color. If it's armor, it's going to kind of be this color. If it's flesh, it's going to be kind of this color. Um, then almost put certain washes in place over those areas to to define them, and then almost do like a harmonizing single dry brush over the top. And maybe use some of the more the technical paints like the typhus corrosion, um, you know, a little, you know, uh, a small amount of maybe blood for the blood god, just to, just to kind of add those extra vivid colours in. Maybe that's I think that's how I would probably approach it if it was kind of going down that route and kind of paying less attention to detail and more attention to kind of the general look of areas of the model and then maybe kind of picking out lenses in like a dirty green colour and that that kind of effect. So. I think that's how I would I would tackle that based on what you guys have what you guys have shared. Um, and then next up we had um, at Nerd Ninja nineteen um, saying in this age of the interwebs and seeing previews so early, how do you stay focused on your current project? Already think of conversion ideas for elves that are maybe yeah. coming out. Um, I'm going to start with that one. Yes, fucking hard, isn't it? Um, I mean, it was difficult enough back in the day, um, like with eighth. You think about the eighth release release schedule, and you look at like the AOS one. So we we all kind of get we've had Nurgle, uh, we've had you know Elves hot off the heels of that. Um, you know the Nurgle bandwagon seemed to be a big one because so many people had armies already, and this Elf one I think is going to be very popular. Maybe more of like the Zinch route because they're going to be quite intensive models to paint. It will take a bit of time, but yeah, it's fucking hard. Um, 
the the one thing I would say is that I think just there's an element of just getting yourself committed. Uh, I mean, some of it really is just money. Um, you know, if you try and control yourself with the cost and say, look, you don't need this. It's not going anywhere. Those daughters of cane models are always going to be around. You know, they're going to be around for years now. You don't need to rush out and buy them. And also, if you can kind of, I, I like to, I don't know if you guys are the same, I like to get all my models out now. I like to have them on shelves so that I look at them and go, how on earth do I buy a daughter of cane army? I can't even put it on my shelf. And it's quite, it's almost like a psychological yeah. thing. You're like, stop it. Stop buying stuff because you haven't actually got anywhere to put it. Um, I don't think the interwebs really in, in that way kind of makes much difference. I think it is more really um, just down to the, the release schedule. Um, obviously, them being so prevalent on social media, it's really good at getting you interested because yeah. they want you to buy it. So putting all the little sneak peeks out of the rules and everything works very well. Um, so I, I really wish I could say, mate, there was a, an easy answer to this question, but there isn't. It is just pure dedication. And we've got a group chat with a lot of the dogger guys, a black sun, sick bra, uh, you guys. And, um, people have heard me, you know, flip flopping a bit going, Oh God, I really want to do them. And I do, I really want to do daughters of cane, but realistically I've still got a beast claw raider on me sat on my shelf that I haven't painted since I got it for my birthday two years ago. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think I, I, I'll, take, I'll take the I'll take the stand on the, on this one next. Um, I think yeah. weirdly, I think in a weird way, and it's not the case for everyone, but certainly for for me, um, I think the new release schedule helps um, simply because before you'd go so long before something that you liked came out that when it did you went fucking balls deep into it right it's yeah, um, yeah really like you know that. dark that dark elf wave when it came out this last time round with all the new stuff I must, I, yeah it's probably the most i'd spent at element games in one hit um you know i i went proper in on it and never got around to doing it in the end um but with it's almost like there's so much choice you don't, and it comes around so often that whereas before I probably would have had a Death Guard army because oh my god, it's got a Primarch, or I probably would have had a Thousand Sons army because oh my god, yeah. it's got a Primarch, or an Ultramarines army, you know, because if those releases were spread out a year apart from each other, you'd have enough money to buy them. Um, True. And to jump in, and you'd end up, you'd end up then with six or seven armies over the course of five years that have just backlogged, and you've never got around to doing them. Um, whereas now, with with the, uh, you know, with the uh, release schedule as it is, you, you're never too, like with these elves now. It's like, yeah, I want, you know, elves have come out, brilliant. I've been waiting for them for ages. But they're not the elves that I wanted. I wanted like Tyrion and Teclas elves or Malarian elves, really. As much as I love the Marathi figure and the new Gorgon models and all the rest of it, they're not quite, they're, they're my least favourite part of that sort of, you know, aesthetic, as it were. So, um, you know, I'm, although I'm going to be picking up Marathi to do my uh, Michaela the Denied One conversion, um, that's probably all I'll be getting. Well, actually, no, I'll be getting the Gorgon models because I, I might get the Gorgon models to do my. Um, <laughs> Well, I'll be getting well, no, this. No, no. I'll be getting that. Well, no, uh, well, be well, this. My Slanesh contingent on my Chaos Army, I had plans to do a unit of Chaos Knights. 
and I'd been scouring eBay and I had a few myself anyway, I was going to do a unit of Chaos Knights as a unit of 10 of the Lords on the Boob Snakes. So I just have 10 of them as Chaos Knights with the Medusa slash Lord Demon Prince conversion that I did um, as the Lord on Demonic Mount. If that makes sense. So sort of step them all up one. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, Sounds very cool. But now thinking, well, I can still use him as the Lord on Demonic Mount rather than having to spend £300 on a unit of 20 Slanesh Knights, which is what it was looking like it was going to be, because they're like 15 quid a model, and I wanted 20 of them. Um, I can get a couple of boxes of those Gorgon Knights, and I think with, you know, with a decent sort of knight-sized body, maybe some Baron Guard or Stormcast bodies or, or whatever, they'll make quite cool Gorgon Knight-type, almost like... Um, you know, Sepulchre Stalkers in the old Tomb King range, but yeah. Slaneshi. I agree, sounds cool. Um, so, yeah, like, it's cool when little releases like, like come out because you think, oh, I'd, you know, use, like, Mortarian. Do you know what I mean? Being able to use that as part of my Nurgle conversion that I want to do, you know, using the wings from Magnus for my Egrim. You know, having all these new releases is great, but it's being able to pick and choose, you know, bits from it. I'm, you know, no doubt when the new high elf in whatever sort of form they take to come out that'll be me but hopefully my, my uh, chaos will be done by then fingers crossed cool mm. good stuff like it Ian do you tend to forget attracted you you tend to be yeah, good to be I honest tend to stay focused and there's a couple of possibly things that are psychological like tricks you say, you say you say you say you stay focused, but didn't you spunk like nearly a thousand pounds on a Forge World Realm of Battle for forty k? No, it was three hundred quid, I think. Wow. Was it something like that? <laughs> yeah, D- don't even don't even play forty k. No. Yeah. That's a good investment. Sitting in boxes at home. Yeah. Um, in in you don't play AOS, mate. You just beat one. Good point. Well made. Um, so <laughs> I tend to. There's a couple of things I do which tend to keep me motivated to finish what I'm doing. Um, I tend to write a because mm-hmm. I go to the go to events, which generally a 2,000 point match play. Um, I tend to write two lists, a 2,000 point one and a 1,000 point one. So I try to finish the 1,000 right. points first, and then and gen, I, if possible, try to go to a doubles event to have that in the calendar. So, so there's a there's a stepping stone. So, if you get to the thousand points, yeah. it's a legal list for use in match play. But then you can do the next thousand points with no. You don't. It doesn't really matter if you don't get beyond that point because you still got a legal army at a lower points level. Um, so that's mm-hmm. one thing I do. I always start with the the unit I want to do um, least. So I start with the, when the enthusiasm's high, I do the thing I don't want to do. So, so rather than right, like okay. the opposite of Rob, essentially. So rather than start with <laughs> rather than start with the centerpiece, and like you know, I'm going to paint a. Oh, I really want to paint a Lariel, and you paint a Lariel, and you go, oh, I've got paint thirty dryads, and just that that <laughs> just would break me. I just would they just wouldn't get done. So I start with what I don't want to do, or what I want to do the least. And then treat myself. 
after it. So it becomes easy as you go along because you're doing the things you want to do. And I always finish yeah. with the the bigger centerpiece model. So that's the last thing I paint for the army. So that's the the final like the the one the one off. There's only one. There's only yeah. The only, there's only ever going to be one of them painted that you're going to paint. Um, it's the um, it bumps it up to two thousand, which generally means in the second half of the after the thousand points in the second half you're doing less models, so you can spend more time on it. And it's just the it's like the 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 reward for doing the rest of it beforehand. So. And it's um, some wise words that makes very wise. That's words. how I painted. I think I painted an army a year for four or five years now. So, yeah, and all done in the, pretty much the same way. So, yeah. Now, see, out of interest, what was it? With the, was it the Yard Boys it, with the eyes? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So I did. The, I did. I <laughs> tend to. I do the what I don't want to do first. So I did the, with the Iron Jaws, for example. Yeah. I did the Yard Boys first, then. I tend to then choose something that I know is going to be the most um, numerous. So, um, so I did some. I did yeah. some uh, brutes. Then I moved away from brutes to the character. Then I did some more brutes. Then I did. I love the way so it's brutes. So it's splitting up what you got to do, so you don't have to do them all in one go. So yes, yeah, kind of yeah. like moving around, but it's always moving forward. Yeah, yeah, Never and that, that's the other thing which um, I, I find helps me anyway. Um, rather than sitting down thinking and doing nothing, just do something you know you, you've, you've decided on already whilst thinking about the other thing, rather than just dry fitting bits together, trying to work something out and then achieving nothing for a couple of hours. All right, no, yeah, it's well, it quite easy though, isn't it? And fun, and fun. <laughs> Double whammy. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, so the next one we had was from uh, this is Carl Chamberlain, who's famously my old GW manager, Shambo uh, Carl. How do you motivate yourselves during hobby dry patches to try keep things moving? Twitter, projects? what's up? Yeah. Um, Ian, what about you? What what was what broke your dry spell? Just having, just being bored. Just having, just kind of, it's it's nice to have a break, but then it's nice to, you get bored of the break. So um, having a break mm. is not a, necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I, I think actually having no, a break, a self-imposed break, actually going, you know, rather than grinding yourself down to the point where you think, oh, I can't fucking look at another model, actually have a break. You know, spend a week not doing it. Do you know what I mean? Go and rent a video game. Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, I would even say, as we know, uh, you know, events themselves, most certainly for our kind of group, um, it can be a real motivation um, to get stuff done, which is great. But sometimes do sit back and go, hold on, do I need to do this for this event? Do I need to finish the siege army if my my um, my Stormcast army is sat there ready to go? You know, you, you can be realistic about it. Um, but I mean, definitely for me during the hobby drive patches is, if you say you're coming back from the break or you don't want to break and you do want to do hobby but you just don't feel focused do just as ian said do bits even if it's just assemble some stuff 
try a conversion app. Just put a movie on in the background. Do a conversion. Um, say well, what I want to do is just I want to try and paint the smoke on this 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 um, this shaman. I enjoy shaman, for example. Just do something. Don't don't constrain yourself with going. Oh, I need to paint this unit of five intercessors. Go. Well, I'm just going to paint the sergeant. I'm just going to paint his face. I just want to practice painting skin. And you'll be surprised how how effective you will be. Don't know if you guys have any other kind of any tips. I mean, it, it's tricky because we all get stuck in these little hobby books. I think that's probably um, the good thing about uh, the release, going back to the release schedule, is that it's probably not, not too long until you see something that you think, oh, that looks awesome. You know, um, and you get inspired by it, but also, you know, actually being on Twitter and seeing other people's, you know, f- follow people. Do you know what I mean? Follow some, you know, some up and co- you know, up and coming, but people that you, you've not heard of before. Do you know what I mean? If you see something cool, there's one guy, um, I think at Polly Smith, and he does, um, he does these amazing 40k conversions, and they're like they are basically scratch builds. Not, you know, they're from sort of different models and stuff well worth a follow but you know all little bits and bobs like that inspiration if you find yourself in a lull you know sell sell an old army get rid of it declutter do you know what I mean that's what I've been doing and it just it just frees your frees your mind up to uh, you know you're, you're focused on aren't you you know if you've only got perhaps one well, that's it yeah um, quaid um, <laughs> <but>, yeah <laughs> Yeah, um, I think the other thing is when you if you're having a break and you're not motivated to paint, just don't feel guilty about it. Just just don't worry about yeah. it. It'll, it'll come back eventually. Um, like you know, it's one of these things where it's good to recharge. And you, you... yeah, definitely. And and everyone has little spurts. <laughs> <laughs> with a little spurt um but yeah no i think the resemblance just don't force yourself if you're not enjoying it just just take a break give yourself a bit of time i mean we've all got deadlines there's not so much you can do sometimes you need to do it but i think kind of identifying the times where you're not on a strict deadline is is a good thing i mean as much as they are good for getting shit done yeah brilliant um so that was an interesting one. Um, at Tristan Gray, um, do you think you should base your movement trays? Um, uh, I'm thinking about getting some from Element Games, but I'm unsure what to do with them. No. What do you think? Um, purely from a f- financial perspective, if you're going to be using them across multiple armies, just keep them black. Because um, you can use them for whatever army you want then, rather than just the one. So... Yeah, it's just me being tight. Rob, what do you think? Um, well, tight. I remember uh, this was um, obviously not so much of a conundrum that we face now, but in eighth, um, when I was getting my uh, Chaos Army sort of together, was, you know, do I, you know, with the, the, with the movement trays, do I put some texture on them? Do I, you know, paint them and uh, sort of tufts here and there and all, all, all the rest of it? Um, and again, being a a box art wanker sort of say right okay we'll look at some of the GW battle reports do they have did they have it on their movement trays and the rest of it but I remember they re- didn't, didn't GW release t- 
textured movement trays at one point. I'm pretty yeah, sure they yeah. did. Yeah, um, they did. So yeah, I kind of, you know, I, I thought they looked cool. But, you know, just add a bit of texture to them. I, I don't necessarily think that. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could save money, but depending on what armies you're doing, you might not, you know, go from having a horde army to a, an elite army where you don't need them on the next one, perhaps, or or whatever. I, they're pretty cheap as well, aren't they, relatively speaking? I don't think they necessarily break the bank. So uh, I, I do think it sort of takes a little bit when you see an army on the table. It does take a little bit out of, uh, especially with Age of Sigmar being the way it is now and, you know, being a lot more sort of... Not thematic necessarily, but not sort of all blocks of ranks and flanks. It's all much more uh, involved in sort of each char- each model's their own little character. I think having um, uh, movement trays sort of that are just MDF or you know got writing on them or, or God knows what um, does take a little bit out of it for me. I think. I enjoyed you um, kind of blowing uh, Ian's argument uh, kind of out the window there as well. It's uh, a bit of uh, trouble. <laughs> uh, I mean, my, I, there's two things I'd say about these. Is first off, obviously we've already talked about basing and we talked yeah. about framing your models. So I think as a framing tool, I think just doing a simple black one is a very good idea. Okay. I think the thing to consider when you go to start thinking about texturing the movement trays is you are expanding out, you're you're increasing the surface area of the of what your bases of your models look like. So think about the impact of that on the models. So it could be something as simple as um, a unit of five liberators because they're quite big models with good the right size bases. Start expanding that out across a movement tray. You can start kind of losing that transition between the models and the bases. So it can seem like too much of it's too big. It's like having a model on a base that's too big. But at the same time, if you could imagine 40 storm vermin, if they all on textured bases, that would look awesome because they're quite small models on small bases. And the increase in surface area is not going to make that much of a difference, but potentially could tie them all together in, in as a horde. So my 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 ultimate answer would be, generally speaking, just go with the black because it's that whole picture frame look. Um, but I think if you're doing kind of a, a small kind of hoard, I think the textured ones look I'm not great. sure whether the, these multiple styles are the base movement trays now as well. So you've got the um, three in the top, two below style, and you've got the five in a line. Yeah. I'm not sure whether that would make a difference as well. Could, um, I could see the, yeah. I would, the three on top, two below, I would always just do plain black unless I went just for just because it's is lot is a lot less to do with it the outside potentially within the in all in a row I could do something with it because there's a bit more of a gap in between but but I sure. my I, I, my initial instinct would just be stick with black for all of them so Ian says stick with black. I say generally stick stick with black unless you know you, you're really making a set piece out of a massive unit. Um, yeah, I think that's all that's all quite reasonable. It's an interesting topic actually. I mean, to be honest, we don't see much. We tend to just see the black ones. Yeah. And just maybe maybe for a bit of variety, it'd be nice to see something a little bit different. Um. Anyway, next one. Um. At Thorn Shield. So Ming. Will the three of you take part in the Pro Painted Podcast Painting Masters, hashtag 4pm, or we, or will you, which is me, solely be running it? So the answer is I'm going to be running it. 
Um, but I want both of you. I've told both of you. Yeah, you need I don't to do think I, I don't think I'd be playing. I don't think I'll qualify this year. I'm not no, going too much. Me neither. Uh, yeah, you might be surprised. Like I say, you know, it's you know, do a face. It's a bit like a face hammer. Do you very good stead? Yeah, I'm planning on going to a couple of events later in the year, but I'm not. I'm not too optimistic that I'll qualify on merit. I might just be a spare player. And just <laughs> well. We'll, we'll be there. Yeah. We'll be dicking about regardless. So um, the hope is that all three of us should be um, should be. We'll be there. We'll be there definitely. Yeah. But barring any yeah. major incident, we'll but touch wood. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, saying that we well, you're you're babby on the way, mate. We might completely no, lose you out of the hobby. Chance. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> fuck it happening. Uh... Cool. Um, so nice and easy. So next one, Fluffhammer. So Chris Mills, who were mentioned. Um, what is the best internet site to watch Kappa Slappers get it on? Um, oh, well, to be honest, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd either go... You've, you've got your, your search engine, so you've got um, uh, PornMD. Uh, it's always a good one. Um, obviously, you just search for Chav. Um, or you can, you know, just hit the regular hit Pornhub up. You know, it's, there's, there's no magic here, mate. It's, you know, if that's if that's going to tick your kind of boxes, then oh, I feel like Ian's got yeah, something. It's to just between you and your internet provider. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Don't do this at work, kids. Actually, I think he's a tattoo. Yeah, he's a tattoo artist, isn't it? So, um, and last question has actually come from a friend of mine, a chap called well, affectionately referred to Stag James Holt um, at Mister Underscore Shaka Underscore Wet Palettes Gimmick or Game Changer. Um, what your any any thoughts on? I've um, never I've never used one, so um, I've no thoughts on it. You paint straight from the pot, didn't you? Um, uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I don't think I think they I think they um, lie somewhere in between. I don't think they're uh, gimmick. They have they definitely have their uses, but they're they're um, they're not necessarily a game changer. I think. Uh, I you know tried various different things. Obviously, you've got the trusty little tile or the little uh, pa- pallets you can get from your sort of your hobby crafts for a quid or from the range, um, and they're, they're actually quite satisfying to peel off the paint once in a while uh, once you uh, use use them. But gone. No no no, 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 no. So yeah, so there's there's those, um, but obviously uh, wet pallets themselves. I've always um whenever i've used them uh i use them quite a bit for when i was doing the blends on the my order army um just to keep the uh just to keep the the glazes and the paints in a in a malleable state as it were um, uh, should we explain what a wet palette is yeah so it's i think rob should i've never used I'm going to jump in straight here and say I'm you, can buy, you, you can buy them from um, you can actually buy them from the range. Uh, you can get the uh, it's like a plastic plastic tray. You put a bit of uh, absorbent foam um, layer and then like a sheet of basically greaseproof paper over the top. And what that does, that greaseproof paper wicks some of the um, paint. Uh, sorry, the water, the moisture from the sponge beneath. To keep your your paints dry, uh, sorry, from drying out. The problem is, is you, you, unless you've got it specifically, it's quite they're quite hard to control. They keep your paints wet, but if you, you know, they're, they're terrible. If you, you know, don't pick. If you're only going to be doing dry brushing, is going back to what we spoke to before. 
then they're terrible for that. <laughs> so they, it's like any tool, they've got their uses. Um, I, I quite like them because it just means that if you're, you know, you decant some of your paint onto it, and rather than just if it was in the standard palette or on a tile or something, um, they can they tend to dry out quite quickly, and you, you know you've got your your paint there, and it's uh, you, know, you can you can use, especially if you're painting a lot of models. Um, if you're sort of assembly line painting, they're quite handy to have as well. If you're doing custom mixes, then um, as again going back to what you guys are saying, you know, if you're doing a test model and you're forgetting to write down what colours or what sort of mixes you're actually using, having that there so it stays there for the entirety of the time that you need it is quite handy. So yeah, they have the. So is that there in? Is that their entire use? That's all a wet palette's for. A wet palette is purely for keeping. Yeah, you can you can, you can decant some paint onto one, um, sort of you know water it down to the consistency that you want it. You put it in a fridge and it'll never dry out. So it'll continue to wick paint through from the sponge, and it'll just it'll just never dry out. Um, right. Okay. Cool. I didn't realise it. Was, I I genuinely didn't realise it was as simple as that. I assumed there was some sweet painting well, I mean they, they, they're good for sort of on the fly kind of mixing and all the rest of it because I said the, the amounts that you do uh, you see a lot of sort of individual model paint if you watch a lot of tutorials you know some of the sort of high, higher end guys they'll yeah. they'll uh, they'll use them just so that their their mixes stay on there for as long as they need them um, and obviously if they're they're not really I don't suppose they're that suitable for army painting you know a unit because again you'll you'll lose track of what you've mixed but if you're doing a if you're doing like a display standard model or something then you're not really going to go back and repeat that over a, the entire over an entire army so they're kind of they're more for that really they're aimed at they're originally aimed at just watercolor painters you know rather than miniature painters i think Win, winds and newton do one um which has like a it's like a you know, you get like the um, the old classic kind of uh, what are they called the, the the bits of wood and yeah, they're like a they're like a weird kind of almost teardrop shaped bit of wood that you hold in one hand that you see like an old classical artist with like yeah, that, little bits of paint. Yeah, yeah, like like this. Oh, they called that. They called a palette, then are they? Um, yeah. Well, they're, they're, they're like, there is another word for the other than palette. Um, yeah, I think so. Is um, but they're, they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, have there is now. you can get one. It actually has a, it has a, a row of, it has a oh. row of little sort of dimples that you can put your paint into and then transfer them over to the wet palette. So it's quite, it's about five, right? You can make your own uh, using um, like uh, kitchen sponges in the bottom of a, a takeaway tub and then a bit of greaseproof paper over the top. So if you want to try it out for yourself and not actually cost you much, yeah, yeah, Get yeah you can use them. But I'll shut up now. Hi. No, insightful. That's something that's something I've learned. That's brilliant. Well, thanks again, guys, for sending the listener questions in. It's quite, you know, actually I feel like I've learned a little bit from doing that as well. It shows you the kind of the different aspects that we we look at this all from so that's fantastic um so i think that basically wraps up the episode unless there's anything you guys want to kind of add after sharing our hobby brains no no i'm good (laughs) so 
yeah ne- <laughs> next episode uh will be out uh again in a couple of weeks time that'll be um uh i'm hoping to hook up with chris mills to record that one so it'll be an interesting chat um and um yeah so the usual bits and bobs if you want to hit us up on um facebook for anything it's at uh, pro painted podcast twitter at pro painted podcast instagram at pro painted podcast so we're all on everything please do get in contact um i would also i would like to give a shout out though to those people that have left us uh, reviews on itunes uh, thank you for that um it has so far allowed us to get a rating on there because you need five which we've now got ten so um it, it's purely for selfish reasons because it it means it's easier for people to find us um if they're kind of looking at if they're doing a painting warhammer whatever will we'll, we'll come up a lot easier so thank you for those and those people who left kind words on there as well it's really nice we've had a lot of good feedback so thanks a million and um you know uh, what i will say is that the if you're listening to this and you're you maybe missed the byron episode i would give it a listen um, we've had a lot of good feedback it's quite a technical podcast definitely definitely worth worth a listen back um but yeah that's it and just remember if you're making any any sexy purchases um make sure you use the pro painted links um give us a little bit of kickback um and we'll probably be using that for events hobby tools all sorts of different bits and bobs um so yeah brilliant thanks again for coming on guys it's been great yeah, it's been awesome good. Good, to have, good to have you back ian so on that on that super sexy note we'll uh, catch up with you guys in a couple of weeks bye bye, bye.
to or the world would explode would you rather do a dog or be done by a dog I'd rather be a do a dog so you'd like to cock a dog I'd rather fuck a dog in the ass he wants to fuck a dog in the ass I want to fuck a dog in the ass